Are you glad to be at Bible study? Amen. Hearing the Word of God, are you ready for some Word? Yes. All right. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 6. And I know that y'all are saying, how in the world can we pull another one out of this verse? I know last week was really good. We learned not to be problem dodgers, but to be problem solvers. Wasn't that good? Great, great word. Great word. We talked um, about um, considering yourself and... We talked about, well, we've, for a long time, we've talked about love, and we've talked about the body of Christ. We've talked about how to build up the body of Christ. We've talked about how to love the body of Christ, and we've talked about loving others. And Sunday, we talked about not judging others. And I was really interested to see where the Lord was going to go tonight um, whenever a uh, pastor asked me to do this today. And the Lord began to deal with me on, you know, we talk about loving others, not judging others, doing good unto others and all this. And that's obviously our great things. But I think sometimes in the mix of that, we forget about loving ourselves. We forget about loving ourselves, and we, for, we forget about allowing ourselves to be loved. That sounded a lot better to me when I heard it. <laughs> of course, that was Wednesday night, right? We're Bible study. We're not, we're not in revival hour. We got some of that out Sunday morning, maybe all of it. But let's read, let's read, uh, let's read Galatians chapter 6. I mean, I feel like I'm letting you all down after those announcements. I'm like, I <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> It was good. You ought to be able to remember what's going to be going on. So that was great. Galatians 6 and 1, are you there? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And there are some key things here that I noticed that um, when we talk, just some key words here, because I know that when we talk about loving ourselves and allowing ourselves to be loved, when you read this, you'll say, what does this have to do with it? But it kind of stays in line uh, with this kind of mini-series that the Lord's laid on my heart, is some key things about what he was showing me here is that spiritual people are in the business, for, in the business of restoration, they're in the business of restoring. And so when we talk about that, uh, we also, if we are spiritual, we, this is what the Lord showed to me today in prayer, is that we need to allow ourselves to be restored. We need to allow the restoration process in our life. And I know it's easy whenever we're talking about doing that for others, because the hard part is, is when we feel like if we're focused on ourselves, then we're being conceited or we're being prideful or we're being haughty. And the reality is, and we'll get to this here in just a minute, if, if you don't have something, 
it's going to be hard to give it. You have to possess it in order to be able to give it. So let's go over to the book of James, the second chapter. And we're going to read verses 8 through 13, and we'll stop uh, periodically and kind of um, expound on a few of these verses here. And then the second page of notes will be just some things that the Lord really dropped in my spirit when I came back this, this afternoon and that um, the Lord laid on my heart to encourage you with. In verse 8, James wrote, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said, you do well. And I want to stop there. There's a lot of times, and I would say probably most of the time, that we focus on thou shalt love thy neighbor, right? That's the one we kind of hang on, loving your neighbor. But James went on to say here, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, right? So not only is it good to love your neighbor, but it's also good to know what it is to love you. Right? Because how can you show somebody love if you can't even explain what that love is or express that love? So I wrote this down, or this is what the Holy Spirit dropped on me. Can you really love your neighbor if you don't love yourself? And this isn't being prideful, like I said, being haughty, but it's understanding that God's love also extends to you. Uh, and this doesn't mean that uh, you don't allow for correction by the word, right? But you get, this is what the Lord really placed on the inside of me, and this has been kind of an anthem uh, for my life in the last probably decade, is that we got to give ourselves mercy to change. Exactly, that's good. We got to give ourselves mercy to change. Now, I know I, I want to say this real quickly. I talked about judging Sunday morning. And when, I, when I'm talking about judging, when I say judging, I feel like what the word is talking about is condemning. And condemning is really just you sentence someone, they can't get up from that. It's okay to judge situations. Okay? I can look at a situation and I can judge it by the word. Now, whether or not I need to voice that I need to be led by the Spirit on that. It's okay to look at a situation and say, yeah, that's not biblical or that's not godly. But whenever I say they will always be that way or they, they will never change, or even if I'm looking at myself, because sometimes I've said that even about myself, I'm never going to get this right. Can anybody identify there? I always, we got a set of keys uh, that was with our new mailbox, and I'm, I'm trying to find some tape so I can correct a confession. It says, keys that I haven't lost yet. <laughs> so I want to just say the keys I haven't lost. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we, we are, we're bad about 
we don't condemn others. We know not to do that, but sometimes we'll lay that condemnation on ourselves by saying always and never about ourselves. And we need to allow ourselves to have mercy to change. Because it's really going to be hard to extend that mercy if we're not allowing that mercy on our own life. And that's really not being, as I said, it's not being prideful. It's letting God work in your life that His glory can be revealed in you and you can begin to share that with other people. Um, here's some things, uh, some more along with this verse 8. And I said this uh, a little bit ago. How can you give what you don't have? And if I don't receive it, how can, here's the thing, how can I explain it, first of all, and how can I give it? If I don't know what it is, how can I explain it? And if I don't have it, how can I give it? It's kind of like financial prosperity. People will say this, and, and the reason I know people used to say it because I used to be one of them. Um, I'm going to give, but I don't expect anything in return. Because I just want, you know, I want to give. I know I need to give, but, you know, I just, I don't want anything back. Well, you, and when I say ignorance, I'm not talking about dumb or stupid. I'm talking about just not educated on the matter. Because this is what the Lord showed me. If you don't expect a return, you will eventually run out of money to give. So you have to believe for some kind of return so you can continue to keep giving. Because if you don't get nothing in return, there's two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to run out of money. Second of all, you may just be tempted to quit giving because you're running out of money. <laughs> so that's, that's not a deal. that We can't say that and be totally correct there because um, you know we're using that as, as, as an example. So... Um, we can't say, well, I'm going to show love, but I don't, I'm, you know, I don't expect anything in return. No, you need, to, you need to be shown love and allow yourself to be loved so you know what that feels like, and you got that on the inside of you, Kyle, and then you begin to extend that to others. Right. And what we're going to learn here is when we fully understand the love of God and that He has for us, we're going to be able to experience that love, and we're going to begin to be able to share it with other people. Because uh, you will have to allow yourself to be loved in order to show love. Verse 9, uh, James said, If you have respect to persons, you commit sin. You know, sometimes that respect to persons, you need to extend that same respect to you. Right? <laughs> you he said you commit sin if you do and are convinced of the law as a transgressor. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. <clears throat> now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So he, when he's reading all these things, this is what the Lord kind of placed upon me. And I used to say that this right here, we're just sinners that are saved by grace. Well, I was a sinner, but I'm not anymore. So now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because when we're sharing that with people, we don't want to just let them know, you're always going to be a sinner. You're not. You're a sinner that is saved by the grace of God. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, that sin is washed away and you're white as snow. So we can't carry that, that sinner... Uh, 
that's why I don't really care much for a lot of addiction programs that every day you got to look in the mirror and admit that you're an addict. If it's been 10 years since you've had a drink, you're not an addict no more. You've beat it. And you don't need to confess that over yourself. And we could go into a whole other study there about how powerful that your words are and what you need to be saying to yourself when you look in the mirror and not even identifying as a sinner at all, but I'm identifying as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't care if you've been saved for 100 years or if you've been saved for one day. You are just, when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, you are as saved as Billy Graham. And you need to begin to see yourself that way. Verse 12. It says, I like this, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. And I highlighted that. So speak ye, and so do. What it's saying there is if you're going to talk about it, you need to do it. If you're going to talk about the love of God, you need to allow the love of God to be expressed to you. And if you're going to speak it to others, then you need to live in it. Amen. If I'm going to speak to others about the grace and the mercy of God... I need to let it be done unto me, right? And if we judge at all, I, I love this part, if we judge at all, we judge ourselves by the law of liberty. Or we could say the law of freedom. What I used to be, I am no longer anymore because when I accepted Christ, He has forgiven me for my past sins, my present, and my future. And I know when, when you talk like that, people say, you're telling me you can just sin all you want to sin? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, is when you understand the perfect law of liberty and the love of God that was poured out on you because you accepted Jesus Christ, sin becomes something so far out there that you don't even want to be associate, associated with it at all. It becomes gross to you. It becomes something that you see as a handicap or you see as a pitfall, or you see as a road bump that's going to get you off, off of the way. So this is not a liberty to do what you want to do. This is the liberty to live in the love of God. And that we are free from our past by the mercy and the grace of God. And the reason I'm so passionate about this is because there were times in my life that I carried a lot of condemnation. Because I felt that if I did one thing wrong, I was lost without God. Uh, we called it riding the altar. And what that meant was you were going to the altar every Sunday to re-up, get saved again. And as I began to see and understand that Jesus was not getting on the cross every Sunday and re-dying for my sins... He died on the cross for my sins from the time that I accepted Him, and He fully understood from that point, probably till the time that the rapture takes place, there were going to be times that I was still going to fall short of the glory of God. And there were times that I was going to mess up, and that I still, even after grace, I still needed a Savior. 
Grace doesn't fall off or we don't become, and we do become perfect under the blood of Jesus Christ, but we still need that grace and, our, and that mercy in our life. Speaking to someone about the grace and mercy and the love of God on their life and not living in it yourself is like instructing someone how to fix a car and you don't even know how to fix it yourself. We can read off the manual, right? Of course, I remember a guy saying, you know, the old manuals used to show you how to, um, you know, check your oil and how to inflate your tires and how to change a flat. Now the owner's manuals are saying, don't drink the battery acid. You know, that's <laughs> kind of where we've come to. But what I'm saying is we can read to them, okay, pop the hood, and take off the valve cover. Well, that sounds pretty simple to you, pop the hood, Kyle, and then all the wires and the hoses that are covering the valve cover that you don't know where they go to. All of a sudden, what seemed relatively a simple thing has become very complicated. Why is that? Because you didn't know what you were talking about. But you, you take a mechanic that knows he can get very detailed, right? He can say, well, now when you pop the hood, you're going to have this, and you need to take off this, this, and this, and to get to this, and he's going to be very detailed. It's kind of like, you know, southern, uh, southern um, uh, instructions on how to get somewhere. You go down to old man Kelsey's Woods, and you turn left down at the last fence row, well, you know, the, the reason you can say that is because you've lived there, you've been there, you've done that, you know exactly where you're going. When we allow the grace of God to come in our life and the love of God and allow ourselves to be loved and we love ourselves, then we can tell others about it in detail. You see, we can read pages off the Bible, and that's good to do, isn't it? To read the pages off the Bible, to tell people about the love of God. But Kyle, when I can detail it and tell them my detailed story of how the love of God came on the inside of me and that how that if He did it for me, that He'll do it for them. Because I see a lot of times, especially in people uh, that are in addictions or that are in deep in sin, here's the, the things that blows people's mind. For me, I could understand them getting born again. I could see that's who God came for. That's who Jesus came for. But see, for me, the way I explained it to people, I was raised in church all my life. And I had the gospel preached to me all of my life. And I rejected it time after time after time. But when I turned 16 years old, I remember sitting in a church service at Pottsville, Arkansas, and the love of God came over my life. And what blew my mind at that moment is that God loved me so much that even in all of that rejection, even after all of that time of me denying Him, He still loved me enough that He kept dealing with me. And He loved me enough that His, His love just over, uh, overcame me. And I began to shed tears. And I went to the altar uh, because I was scared I was going to hell. 
But what happened is when I got there, the love of God began to come over my life like something I never felt before. And it changed me from the inside out. I didn't have to try to change. It changed me. You see what I'm saying? I can tell people that God loves you, and that's a great thing to quote off the pages. But when I can tell them my detailed story, and I can show the love of God that He had on me, and if He loved me, He can love you too, that's a whole different thing. And that's the allowing ourselves to be loved. That's experiencing, experiencing the love of God. That, uh, that we can share that with people. And it's detailed and it's intimate. And it, they can see on our faces that we have experienced the love of God. And then we can say, hey, if he'll do it for me, a rotten church kid that rejected him for years, I'm telling you right now, there's not a sin out there that God can't cover in your life. If he will deal with somebody, some snot-nosed kid that just didn't know any different than just to be rebellious, and they just saw religion as something that you did when you got out of the house, and you got married, and after you had kids, and you done all the bad stuff that you wanted to do. Because that's the way some people, that's the way religious people uh, see God. But when we can get detailed... And then we can begin to share and we allow ourselves to be loved. And that's hard to do sometimes, believe it or not, is allow yourself to be loved. And allow yourself to be forgiven. Right? That was hard for me, Kyle, because I felt like, what a terrible thing to reject the Savior of the world that died for me. A horrible death. And he still loved me and kept dealing with me. He loved me that much. Those are the details that I, want to sh that I like to share with people and say, hey, look, there's nothing out there that you've done that God will not reach down. I'm telling you, He has already predetermined that He love you, even before you were born. Verse 13 at the end of it says that mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And we are to rejoice because the mercy of God has been shown on our life. And when we do that, it's going to overflow, and people are going to want to be a part of that. Believe it, I, this was uh, something I wrote that believe it or not, people really do have a hard time loving their self and allowing God to really pour His love out on them. And I think the reason that a lot of it is is because we feel like we have to earn it. And we're taught that aren't you need to earn it. You need to work for it. But as I said, you know, God had already predetermined <laughs> before we were born that He loved us. And we need to receive that love. And they, a lot of people have a hard time loving their self because they, uh, they don't, like I said, they feel like they have to earn it or that enough time has to pass by since they committed that certain sin again before God can love them again. The habitual sin that you just can't seem to get past. And you feel like, I've got to put six months between the last time I sinned till now before God can really love me. And I want to tell you today, God loves you even in the middle of your mistakes. Amen. He loves you even in the middle. I'm a church person that's been in church all your life and you slipped up today. I want to tell you that God still loves you. Yes. And you need to let God love you. 
If you are, how many parents do we have in here? If your kid messed up today, do you quit loving them? No, no you don't. And God's not going to quit loving you, anyone in here, because you mess up. I mean, if he was going to create perfect beings, was there a need for Jesus? That was all needless if it wasn't. So quit trying to put time space between the last time you sinned until now before you feel like you're worthy of the love of God. Because I'm convinced that what our hearts truly desire from our earthly, father, from our earthly fathers is what God is. And even more than that. You know, we, I used to say that, or I heard, I heard this saying, that a lot of times, you know, kids, they look at, oh, uh, shoot. Um, I hope Dad don't find out. But when, when a person has a good dad and they mess up, they say, I need to go talk to Dad. That's what God wants to be to you. It's not, I've got to hide this sin. I've got to play the game of unworthiness. I've got to act like, you know, this false humility because if I act like I'm love and I act like I'm redeemed, even though I just messed up, then I'm being a hypocrite. No, the reality is, is if you don't allow God to love you, you're being a hypocrite. Because you're telling everybody else that God loves you no matter what, and then you're not going to live in it yourself? That's being a hypocrite. You're saying one thing and doing another. I, I want to come to the, the great revelation that whenever I mess up, I need to go talk to my father and let his love come and allow myself to continue to be loved. So that I, in return, I can take that truth that God loves me no matter what. And I can begin to share that with those out there that need to know that. But you see, if I'm not experiencing that, I can't give that. If I'm walling around in my own sin, in my own pride because I messed up, my focus is just going to be on, oh man, just groveling, groveling, groveling. And you're not thinking about going out into the world and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And I don't think that, and at least I don't, um, I don't want a, a dad that patty cakes my shortcomings. I'm not looking for that. But I want a father, and I believe this is what God is, that is willing to stay with me and help me overcome and be the person that I really desire to be. And that's where people have a big problem because they think that, God is just waiting for them to mess up so he can dump them off. In reality, what he's wanting to do is say, I want to take you, even in your shortcomings, even in your mistakes, and I want to help you get to where really deep down on the inside you want to get. I want to see you overcome. I want to see you to defeat this. I want to see you to become that better person that you want to be. And if we want to be it, how much more does our Father want us to be it? Are you with me tonight? Because Romans 8 and 15, it says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. 
And really, if you dial that word Abba down, it really means daddy. Yeah, that's right. yeah. And my oldest daughter, I think I've shared this with y'all before, and she's not here, so I can say this. Um, she gets under my skin because whenever she answers the phone, when I call her, she'll say, hello, father. <laughs> I don't like that. I said, I'm your daddy. <laughs> I like to hear my, my kids say, hey, dad, hey, daddy. That's just more personal, and I like that. But he's our, he's our dad. He's, when we're, we're, we're in trouble or we're facing a problem, he's saying, I want you to come to me. I want you to come to me. And he said, we've received the spirit of adoption. I looked up the word adoption, and it meant to adopt. And the word adopt meant this. It's to take, I love this. It is to take someone by choice into a relationship. You know, it's like my kids, I, you got to love them, you know. They come out, what are you going to do, you know. I mean, well, I guess you can, but you get frowned on. <laughs> But, you know, they come out, and, it, and it's instant love. But when you are chosen, that God sought you out, and He chose you, that's different. When He sought you out, has anybody experienced the, the tugging of the conviction of God in their life? Come on, raise your hand. You know what that is? That's your dad that's reaching out and choosing you enough to say, I, am I want to draw you to me. Because you see, condemnation will push you away from God. The conviction of God will draw you to Him. And He's saying, let's work on this. Let's, I'm not throwing you away. I want to introduce you my love. And we need to allow that love in our lives so that we can truly be a minister for Jesus Christ. And it says to take someone by choice into a relationship. And the word relationship means this, a passionate attachment. And we don't have, well, we do got some small kids. A more in, like intimacy. That, that strong. That he wants to have that with you. He is seeking you out. Because he wants to be intimate with you. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to show you how good he is. He wants to show you his unconditional love that he has for you. All the suffering Christ did, and I know that we have tried, um, movies have tried to depict... And, you know, some of them here lately have done, you know, a good job. I don't think that we could really know the suffering. But I believe what kept him on the cross was knowing that you were worth it. You were worth it. Every stripe on his back for your healing, every stripe he was saying it's worth it. Every minute that he hung on the cross, he was saying, they're worth it. You're worth it. Isaiah 53 and 5. 
it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. Not his, ours. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Who uh, does it sound like he had in mind? Us. All of us in here today. Everybody in this world. He had us all in mind. And I, be- I love the way that, that God brought that to me today is that whenever he stayed in that, he was saying you were worth it. He was showing you how much you are loved. And the way I like to look at this is all of that suffering, what sin have I committed that that could not cover? How bad could I have done that all of that pain, all of that suffering, all of that torment, that he wasn't saying, I'll stay here to cover that. And if we can't look at that and determine, man, God really does love me. And because he loves me, I can allow myself to be loved. And I can accept and receive that love because when I receive that love, now I can give that love to everybody that I come in contact with. Romans 5 and 8 in closing, it says, But God commendeth commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you were even born, He died knowing, I want to make sure that a plan of salvation is in place. I want them to have in place that their transgressions are covered, their iniquities are covered, their peace is covered, their healing is covered. I believe this, all of everything that we were going to need in life, He wanted to make sure that when you receive His love, you've got everything that you need. And when we can receive that love, then we can give that love. Amen.